Okay. Obviously, what movie was that? Facing the Giants. Who hasn't seen that movie? Brian? You haven't seen that movie? Lucas, you haven't seen that movie? Oh, we'll have to hold a party for it. It's an especially good movie. Um, Facing the Giants is about a coach who is on the verge of losing his job. Uh, But much more than that, things are going terribly in his life. Um, Things are just not working out well for him. Uh, he, the, the team is going down a path that he doesn't really, uh, get Lord and, and it's, uh, he's about to be fired. Uh, they're actually looking at different options to, to replace him with someone else. Uh, he's got that, he's got personal struggles. It's a, it's a, it's a life, life, valuable, uh, valuable movie because it teaches us about life. All right. So. Obviously, facing the Giants. Um, the Giants aren't just a football team. The Giants are everyday things in our life. So what are some everyday modern Giants we face every day? And this is going to be interactive. So if you don't talk, it'll be kind of awkward. What? Temptation. That's a good one. Lucas? Other people's opinions. We could park the bus right there and spend a whole night on that. Because when we were doing interviews for, for leadership, there were several, several people that were talking about that as that being one of their strong suits in battling that, you know, helping people battle that. Uh, because in school, it is a huge thing. You know, if you're not the cool kid, if you're not the popular kid, uh, that's a huge giant. What are some other giants? All right, I will kill the silence. Uh, The giant that I'm going to talk about tonight, uh, my giant story uh, is the giant of complacency. I love definitions. What's complacency? Being okay in bad situations, just being like, whatevs, you know? Being comfortable, being satisfied with living the life you're living, just kind of there, you know, cruising on cruise control. Uh, The definition of complacency says a feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try to make them better. A feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try to make them better. Uh, Bob has told you countless times before complacency does what? Kills. Complacency kills. If you are not moving, you are dying. If you are not growing, you are dying. Look at a body of water. What happens if there's no current in it? Gets algae, gets bacteria, gets stagnant, gets stinky, 
The fish certainly don't want to live there. Right? If you're not growing, you're dying. Uh, when I was about 30 years old, and this is back when we lived in Cartersville, <clears throat> when I was about 30 years old, I really struggled with complacency. Um, I really struggled with, you know, just, just kind of being satisfied. You know, didn't really, my career wasn't going the way that I thought it would. I had a job, you know, but I kind of hit the ceiling as far as where, you know, where I was going in the hospital, in the company. For those of you that don't know, I didn't always work at Floyd. I used to work at Redmond, the evil empire, they call it. Um, but uh, when I was working at Redmond, there were a lot of different things that happened. There was, there was a terrible transition of, uh, like, multiple companies coming in there and running us. Uh, so it was just not a good, healthy situation. And it, and it really brought me to, you know what, I'm going to show up. I'm going to clock in, clock out, and do life, you know, and just kind of coast until God tells me to go somewhere different. Uh, so my work life was working for a paycheck, which you never just want to do. You always want to enjoy what you're doing. Family life was uh, pretty good. Family life was pretty good. Um, we didn't have James at the time, so it was me and a house full of girls, uh, including all the animals. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, family life was great. Work life was, eh. You know, uh, faith. My faith was there. I was there. I, 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 you know, I, I became a believer when I was 12 years old. Um, so it was never, uh, an issue with me really struggling with my faith. I just kind of grew up knowing. Um, and so, uh, but there, there came to a time where we were attending church, we were attending Sunday school, but I just, you know, I just, I just wanted something more. Um, and boy, did I get it. Boy, did I get it. Uh, I got so frustrated with the company I was working with that uh, I went to work at, at Floyd. Went to work at Floyd. It was great. Went to Rome High. It was not so great in the beginning because they just kind of threw me in there to the fire. And uh, I really struggled with kind of getting my feet uh, planted in there and getting a good relationship with everybody. But um, through that, I moved from Rome to Armerchi, was at Armerchi for a few years uh, before God finally said, listen, this is exactly where I want you, all right? Now, he did that after several years, uh, and two movies were very impactful on my faith and my complacency. The first one is High School Musical. <laughs> High School Musical. Who is, I mean, everybody's seen High School Musical, right? Stick to the status quo, right? I'm not going to jump on tables and sing, don't worry. But the, the, funny, th the funny thing about High School Musical, uh, as this being one of my complacency movies, was it did, it, it taught me that I've got to break myself out because ain't nobody going to do it for me, you know? I've got to break myself out because there ain't nobody going to do it for me. And then this movie, Facing the Giants, huge, um, 
This scene, I mean, I, I could have just let that run, come up here and done the invitation, and then left. Because that, that is a huge scene. Uh, as I ramble on, let me tell you what we're getting into, okay? That, um, that verse that he read was from Psalm 18. And Psalm 18 is a good psalm. It's a great song. It's a, it's a really, you know, powerful uh, psalm if you read it. Now, it is very long, which is, you'll be glad that we're only going to read those three verses. Um, there are only three psalms longer uh, in the entire collection. Uh, its length is well-suited. Um, the title itself of the psalm is uh, the second longest in the book of Psalms. Now, um, trivia question. Does anybody know what book Psalm 18 is in Psalms? What book? Remember there are how many books? Five books. Very good. So what do you think? One. They progress. One is like this many, and two is like this many. Okay. So, it's in book one. Now, um, as Ben was talking about people praising, people singing, I thought that was uh, a great lead-in to tonight, because uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, The only way we can overcome giants is to know who God is and know who we are. Um, To become people of praise, not people of problems. Because we want to focus on our problems a lot. We want to focus on our problems a lot. Why? Because they're all around us. They're easy to focus on. I mean, that's a challenge for us each and every day. But we've got to break free and uh, become people of praise, not people of problems. So how do we do that? To be people of praise, we've got to come to the end of ourselves, flee to God as our refuge, and express it to Him in psalm. Now, how do we do that? Starting with verse 1, chapter 18. The title of uh, Psalm 18 is, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And it says, I love you, Lord. O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and my horn of salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. So, how do we face the giants? How do we face them? First of all, we've got to tap into the love of God. Because if we don't tap into the love of God, there's no way we can end ourselves. Uh, he says, I will, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I will love you, O Lord. Now, this is a declaration from David. David, we have to remember, David decided uh, to love the Lord. Uh, David chose to love the Lord. Love is an action verb. Anybody ever said that? 
Love is an action verb. So what does that mean? This is where you interact. Love is an action verb. What's that mean? You got to do it, right? You have to do it. Uh, absolutely. It's not something you just feel, okay? Uh, when Christy and I were in our, in our early 20s, um, we were about to graduate college. And we were in Panama City. We were with my brother, her brother, and his fiance. And uh, there came a point in the evening where Christy and I were talking about a lot of different stuff. And Christy, she, she asked me, she said, I want you to show me you love me. And I, don't, I, just, I just don't feel like I'm getting that. I want you to show me that you love me. And there was a little voice in my head that I still hear today as a reminder. Because that night it said, you idiot, you have to do something. You have to do something. Uh, in order for the... And of course I did something. I'm, I'm sure I kissed her to let her know that I loved her. Uh, in order for the receiver, in order for the receiver of our love to know we love them, we've got to show it. We've got to show it. And uh, David declared his love in all his circumstances. Because David, man, his life was good, right? His life was easy. He just sat in that king's seat and everything was all right, right? No. No. Several of you guys were at my house during Collide, right? Played manhunt, right? Yeah? Okay. So this is what the manhunt at Collide was like, okay? So this will give you an idea of kind of, kind of on a funny level, what David was going through uh, during his time as he was running around. So I find a good hiding place, all right? I think, okay, I've got it. This is a great hiding place. Nobody's going to find me. What was that noise? Oh, they passed me. My heart's racing a little bit. Then I look. And in the shed that I'm in of the neighbor that is mine, there are two dogs. So I think, i got to get out of this shed. So my heart's really racing now because I don't want to get shot, right? Then I run to find a different hiding place. Then people find me there, so I have to run, right? And then I have to run to another place. And then I have to run to another place. And then I trip over a basketball goal and smack my face into the neighbor's car. Not even my car. Not only that, the saliva that I left on the car is evidence that I've been there. Okay? So, 
We won't even mention who that was, guys, because plenty of people know. So you can talk amongst yourselves. But that gives you an idea of, of what David was going through each and every day because his life was not a cushy life. For about 20 years, 20 years, he was on the run. He was on the run. Uh, he was waiting for Saul to just end his life. He knew this was going to be it. He, he had safety. No, he did not have safety. Did he have comforts? No, he did not have comforts. Did he have closeness with people? These kinds of meetings? Absolutely not. He was hiding. He had to. But despite all that, despite all of the stuff that was going on in David's life, he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. He wasn't bitter. As believers... We all go through storms. Uh, we all go through storms in our life and uh, seasons in our life. And you may say, I don't go through any storms. Get your life vest on because you're floating in denial. It's very easy to cling to God in storms. Absolutely. That's where we know Him best. That's where we feel Him because we genuinely need him there and so our bond to him is 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 really felt uh in the midst of storms but we've got to continue to cling to his love in all circumstances if you're ever in a storm i have some advice that a colleague gave me a long time ago don't tell god how big the storm is don't tell god how big the storm is Tell the storm how big God is. So there's your two cents. So, <clears throat> facing the giants, we've got to tap into the love of God. And we've got to end of ourselves. Secondly, we've got to type, tap into the power of God. All right? These lights are on for a reason. Your house has electricity for a reason, right? So somebody tell me how electricity works. How does it get from the street to your house? Circuits. Who has underground? Who has underground electricity? No wires, anything like that, you know? Um... Many of us that live in subdivisions do. Uh, many that don't or that have, that have been younger and, and been in older houses, the wires coming from the street are way too powerful to come in your house. Before it comes into your house, it goes into a transformer. The transformer dials it down to a usable usable uh, force, and it comes into your house, okay? That's how a transformer works. That is exactly how Christ works in our life. So, not tapping into the power of Christ as a believer is like having your power bill paid in full, but you've gotten too comfortable to the, in the dark, so you're okay. Uh, you don't even want to flip the switch anymore. 
God is a refuge, and we've got to tap into that. He says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Now, when he says the rock, he doesn't mean Dwayne Johnson. When he says the rock in ancient Judea, it actually probably meant several different things. So, um, in the book of Isaiah, you don't even have to turn here. These are just quick references I'm giving. In the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 32, verse 2, uh, it says the rock is, is shade. Uh, in Proverbs 30, verse 26, it talks about the shelter and protection uh, that comes from rocks. And in Psalms 40, verses, verse 2, uh, it says it provides a firm place to stand and fight uh, as opposed to sinking sand. Um, you know, when you're in a tug-of-war with somebody, you would rather be on concrete than on sinking sand, right, than on the beach. As, as beautiful as the beach is, uh, you can't get a lot of, of force behind anything you're doing in the beach. You're all, your feet are always going out from under you. Um, so you need a firm place to stand and fight. What else can a rock be used for? What do you think? What about if I needed to get a dog out of my yard? I may just pick a rock up and throw it near the dog just to spook it a little bit, right? You can use a rock as a weapon. You may not live from doing that, but you can. Because we know David did, right? We know David did. David conquered a giant that day. He used uh, five smooth stones. Trivia question, anybody know why he used five stones? Did God really think he was going to be that inaccurate? No. That's a story for another day. I'll leave you in suspense. Goliath had relatives. And so God wanted him to be prepared. When we fight our battles and our giants, we need shelter, protection, and a firm foundation to fight. We see here that the Lord is our rock too. And then he talks about my God, my strength, and whom I trust. Um, David saw God as strength. And it reminds us of the power and the might that comes from God described by Paul. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, which, by the way, is my favorite chapter of the Bible, in case you were wondering, uh, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then uh, back in Psalms 18, he uses nine different titles, nine titles. Uh, and we can see what God was for David in those nine titles. His strength, his rock, his fortress. A fortress is where you're safe, right? It's where you're safe. Uh, his deliverer. If I deliver a pizza to someone, I just rescued that pizza from 
the pizzeria, right? Put it in somebody else. But I delivered it, okay? David was delivered by the hand of God. Um, he mentions that he's his shield, all right? His shield who defends both his head and his heart. Because we know from Captain America that that shield is pretty big. And it can protect my body. It can protect my head. It can protect all kinds of different parts of my body as we um, encounter battles, which we are. Absolutely. My, the horn of my salvation. Okay? The horn of my salvation his stronghold, his high tower. Listen to this. <clears throat> a stronghold means his high tower of refuge where he could see an enemy from a great distance and be protected from the adversary. Uh, as believers, we have to remember that we have a little bit different of a vantage point um, in, in life than uh, other people do. Uh, we have to remember that our ways are higher because God is in us. Um, Mark Hall, who is the lead singer of Casting Crowns, and I've told some of the guys this, uh, in one of his songs, one of their songs already there, they talk about this um, aspect of being on the other side of whatever circumstances you're in because you're already there because God is already in you. And he, what he describes it uh, as is, he thinks about it to put everything in perspective. He says, you know when you were a kid and you were at the Christmas parade, you're sitting there wedged between all these strangers, some of the family you don't like, whatever, and all you want to do is see Santa Claus. But all you can do is see whatever's in front of you. You know? He talks about how when we come to know Christ and we have Christ in us, then we take a whole different view of the situation. It's like we're not looking at the Christmas parade from street level anymore. We're looking at it from the rooftops. So... We can see the beginning, we can see the end, we can see the middle, and we can all know that it's going to be okay. Um, so, as believers, we have a different vantage point. Listen, all these cool things that, this, that this, these few verses talk about, my rock, my fortress, uh, my shield, my horn of my salvation, they all lead up to the very ending, which is a call to praise God. Uh, it's a call to praise God. And so as we face giants, we tap into the love of God, we tap into the power of God, and then we sing about it. How do we sing about it? We don't have to sing about it. We don't have to shout in song, but we do share, okay? Uh, we do share. Uh, he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And y'all are lucky I didn't sing that because 
I've heard plenty of songs that are like that, and I could just rattle them off right here. But I won't do that. I won't embarrass myself. Um, so there are many um, far more passionate uh, ways to ask for help. Uh, but um, he gives, he asks for help, and he says, I give you thanks for it, even before it's happened. I give you thanks for it. Um, he talks about, uh, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Um, victory and defeat, it didn't matter to him. It didn't matter to him. If, if, Saul, if Saul got him, fine. If this got him, fine. He knew that he was serving the living God and that God was going to get him where he needed to go. Um, that's, just, that's just the very end of it. Uh, as we close, what I want you to think about is where David was, he was older. This was a psalm that he wrote probably when he was younger, and he was reflecting back on it as he was writing this and as he was reading this. And so you can imagine, you can imagine different songs in your head that have really gotten you through hard times. And you can imagine repeating them over and over again uh, and them comforting you. Um, and he was still praising. He was still praising after all that had happened to him. The conclusion of facing the Giants. All right. They go on. They win the state championship. You know, it's unbelievable. Ah! Okay. So, the conclusion of facing the Giants, the big point of facing the Giants was honor God and you will be blessed. Did I say honor God and you'll be rich? Did I say honor God and you'll be the most beautiful woman in the world? No. Honor God and you will be blessed. In the movie, they said, if we win, we praise him. If we lose, we praise him. Many times, uh, when bad things happen to a believer, God can become their enemy. Um, where's God? What happened, you know, when our family went through a miscarriage, where was God? When our family uh, went through financial crisis, where was God in that? He was all over it. He was all over it. And when you're facing any giant, you have to use the winning weapon to be victorious. The name of the Lord, that's the winning weapon. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. That's Proverbs 18.10. When you decide to be truthful to yourself and to the word of God, rest assured when you call him, you will be answered. All that to say this. Here's my challenge for you as you go throughout this week, as you begin to start thinking about the dreaded S word. When you're facing giants, 
are you using the Lord's weapon? Are you using your own arsenal? Uh, when you're facing giants, you have to remember that as a believer, we have the power of Christ in us. We have an arsenal of weapons at our, at our defense at all times. Ephesians 6, you want to read something? Ephesians 6, the full armor of God. That's what we have. Uh, when we are facing crisis, there's no enemy that can stop us. Chris Tomlin doesn't have to tell us that. The Bible tells us that. In Isaiah 54, 17, it says, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. All those who rise up against me will fall. I will not fear what the devil may bring me. I am a servant of God. What changes, if you're not using all your arsenal of the army of God, what changes do you need to face to help you battle the giants God's way? Let's pray.